Layer by layer, day by day, the world, our markets, and your life unfold. Welcome to the Laminate Money Podcast, a show dedicated to exploring our world, the financial markets, and what it takes to build a great financial life. Both Tom Statham and Jacob Bradkey work for Fiel Capital, and all opinions expressed by Tom and Jacob or any podcast guest are solely their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of Fiel Capital. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Tom and Jacob are registered representatives of Sanctuary Securities and investment advisor representatives of Sanctuary Advisors. Fiel Capital is a DBA of Sanctuary Securities and Sanctuary Advisors. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Laminate Money Podcast. This one's going to be a good one. Merry Christmas, everyone. Well, early Merry Christmas. Early, yeah. It's on Sunday. Sunday, okay. There we go. Very in the moment. Very in the future, very in the moment. This uh, show is called Recession Indicators. Because it's coming. Because we could be in a recession right now. There's still lots and lots and lots and lots of talk about this. And the Federal Reserve gave us a little bit of a hint as to what they will say. We will get into that. But before that, let's head into the good for the week. All right. This is really good. If you think back to the beginning or middle of 2021, starting 2022, we had the 7.1% inflation print and it's like, oh my God, this is terrible. And now we've got back to that. So it peaked out in June at like nine, 1.1% or something like something that. Something like that. Um, and now it's back down to 7.1% versus the expected 7.3%. So inflation is cooling faster than expected, which is just a fabulous thing. And the markets loved that. Faster than expected. That is yeah. that is good. So if you annualize that, that is a what um, couple percent lower. So we would be inflation. I think terminal inflation is going to be between five and six. You think so? I don't know. I think it could. I think it could get below five, like maybe four or something. But I don't think it's going to be lower than four. So I guess I use a clickbaity word, not clickbait jargon word, terminal. So when we mean terminal, that means like the the, end. the yeah the end, the long term expectation. Uh, that's something we learn in finance uh, school at an, or wherever you go to get your finance degree. Jacob and I are finance majors. Yep. Go Bison. Go Bison. And Carissa, where'd you go to school again? I went to Liberty And what's in their Virginia. mascot? What's their mascot? The e- well, we're called the Flames, but our mascot the- is an eagle. Seriously? Yeah, yeah I'm serious. Yeah. That's seems, the Flames. Seems <laughs> epic, though. I mean, like, you imagine Liberty like a, a, an eagle like with flames on its wings? Probably looks cool. I, d- I don't know what I think about that. But then our eagle's name is Sparky, so. <laughs> okay, so, get, so you get electricity, okay. flames, and eagles. All right. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, somehow we got here uh, on inflation. But um, that is that is my guess, is about five to six. And then the, the bond market's saying it's obviously going to be lower. Yeah, the bond market says like 2.5. Yeah, like 2. Point. And the Fed, I yeah. think, is like they're willing. I think they're they're, they're saying they're willing to go over they're willing to have higher inflation. The Fed's usually targeted for the last decade at uh, at least about 2%. Well, the interesting thing is that the Fed targets PCE inflation, not CPIs. And PCE is usually like, it trends a little bit lower. It's a little bit smoother. Personal consumption? Yeah. Um, And they say that it'll be longer run, or I guess 2024, 2.5%, which means CPI would probably be 2%. So they're really targeting the 2% rate. Um, Will they get there? Before rolling over, probably not. That's just not how it's going to work, but we'll Here, see. Here's what I don't understand. Is the Fed, that's what, they're, that's what they want to happen, and they're telling us will happen in the data, but then they themselves were like, yeah, we're going to just hold rates higher longer in 2023. 
it seems like they're contradicting themselves. I think they have to play the market a little bit. I don't know. Like they can't they can't just go in and say like, all right, now here's the deal, we're gonna roll over because that gives too much optimism. That brings people back to spending, which just it's like self-fulfilling prophecies. Like it is. They have to maintain like this, like, this is what we're going to do. This is what's gonna happen because we're doing it, so that it actually fulfills itself and they can bring inflation down. If they start saying, like, here's the second level of what we're doing, then inflation is not gonna come down, right? I don't know. I, I know. I I mean, obviously, like I I know how it all works. I want to be in the board is, meeting. Give give me in the uh, FMOC. Jacob wants to be a fly yeah. on the wall. I don't yeah. blame him. So we just an ob- an observation that our team has made is people just don't care about the Fed. Not because they don't care, but I don't think they understand what it means for them. So can you guys just explain? Okay, who is the Fed and what do they do? So the Fed controls money supply, and they they essentially control. They're, they're like the. Um, the Fed, I mean, so, so what money supply is 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 basically um, the more the the more money there is in the system, the the lower the interest rates, the more abundance capital is, and the faster things can grow with low with with a lot of money swashed around the system. When you go reverse, when capital isn't as abundant, and this is interesting, uh, Europeans typically they lack capital. America has lots of it. You can see why we grow faster here. It's one of the reasons, you know, it's, it's, um, yeah, there's just an abundance of capital here in the, in, in our country. So that's how I would think about the Fed. People don't care about the Fed. They care about what the Fed does to them. Here, let me just, let me condense that down for a second. The Fed controls monetary policy and monetary policy controls the cost of borrowing, the cost of capital. So when Tom talks about capital here in the U S if there's a like loose monetary policy, lots of money, that's cheap money. So cheap money. Yeah. Like cheap mortgage. Yeah. Cheap cars, cheap credit cards. So so when you guys are talking about the Fed, this is so important for our listeners because it's going to determine how big is your car payment? How big is your house payment? How big is all of these things? And that obviously impacts how much people can contribute to invest investing, right? And on top of that too, the Fed also has a huge, uh, plays a huge part in just the valuation of assets as well. So not only is it payments, it's also crap, you know, I'm sitting with 20% down on my 401k. Wow, I just put, you know, $20,000 in this year and I lost 100. That's the Fed too. I didn't realize that. I didn't make right. that connection. Well, actually, this is interesting on that point. So Meta hadn't for the longest time done like any debt issuance. So they didn't have any bonds on their balance sheet. It was all just cost of equity. That's what their valuation was based off of. And so when higher interest rates go up, you would think like, ah, oh, they, yeah, they're not going to be affected because they don't have any debt on their balance sheet. Well, it does still affect them on the valuation and the cost of equity. Like how expensive, is it, how expensive is it for them to raise capital via equity when interest rates are a, a reasonable alternative to their stock, right? So that's how it affects even companies that aren't really interest rate reliant. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. There's debt and equity financing. That's, that's what it is. There's only really two ways to finance a company. The more you know. The more you know. So the comical... Um, our good friend, the man with an afro in the Bahamas, Sam. Sam Bankman Freed. Yeah, the founder and former CEO. He's in jail with no bail. With no bail because they see him as a flight risk. It was interesting <laughs> because the, uh, I think it was the Enron attorney, or no, no, Bernie, Bernie Madoff attorney. He was on CNBC and he was saying, yeah, they'll probably give him bail because um, I don't really see him being a flight risk and because they'll, you know, have him passport. They'll take his passport away. 
all this stuff and he's not you know a, a threat to society like he's not gonna go probably bomb up whatever um he was like yeah he'll probably get bail and he'll be able to go out nah didn't happen he got thrown in a bohemian no i get that wrong bohemian <laughs> uh <laughs> prison or jail or whatever and now he's actually uh extradited right back to the united states that was just news this weekend oh it was this weekend yeah so okay was that so that was an agreement i didn't see this but that was an agreement between the bahamas and the yeah. u.s to actually do it I, I i i don't know the logistics of it i just saw the like the headline okay got it i think that was uh that was a question there for a hot minute whether or not he was going to go to jail or not he clearly did not think he was going to jail because he was going on all these public appearances which is very very odd and Jacob was literally watching a Twitter live stream and here yeah. SBF gets taken off really suddenly. Yeah, all of a sudden. So I was I was listening to this stream on Twitter and he was talking away as like he shouldn't be, but he was. And he was like, all right, guys, I got a thing at two o'clock, so I got to hop off. And everybody's like, no, you don't. Like, we booked this space for like a lot longer than this, whatever. Like, you don't have to hop off, but I guess you got to hop off. And here's my thought. Either he knew that these guys were coming to get him, right? Like he probably knew. They probably called him over and said, "Like, for hey, sure, his attorneys like, would have told him we're gonna knock on your door today, and you better be ready to hop in the car." The same, the same reason why I'm like, they got him in a suit. Like, nah, this dude didn't wear a suit ever, and somehow as they're taking him out of his house, he's wearing a suit. That he had yeah. to have known. Yeah, um, his attorneys. That yeah, they. How this stuff works is the attorneys, yeah. the the legal teams are talking to each other. This isn't some, it's not as crazy as it sounds in the movies where we all think of this stuff. Like he knew what was happening. Yeah. They didn't just come and bust down the door and take him away. But yeah, that, that Twitter space abruptly ended at like 2 PM. He was like, I got to go. I'm yep. sure that's probably when his attorney showed up and was like, Hey Sam, this is what's happening today. Don't say anything. Yeah. And now he's yeah. sitting in a jail cell as he should, as he should. Yeah. And he, I'm sure the, um, you know, jail in Bahamas, the jail in the Bahamas isn't that great. No. No. Sure, he was not having a great time, and so he's probably actually somewhat relieved that he's in a U.S. jail, jail now. I don't know. I don't know. I, I wouldn't be too happy either way, but that is the, uh, yeah, the, the, the man himself is now uh, sitting in a jail, and boy, did he, uh, he made headlines for, for what he did. So the head scratch for the week, Jacob. The SEC is going after brokers and finfluencers, so I don't know if people um, quite knew about this, but the, there's something called pump and dump schemes. You see all this in, if you ever read market history, you always see the same things over and over and over and over and over again. Um, you know, we have compliance, we have, um, you know, just, you know, here at Fiel, we have uh, rules, you know, when you pass all your licensing exams, you have to learn about this stuff. But a modern day pump and dump scheme was uncovered and these guys made a ton of money 100 million dollars 100 million dollars in a pump and dump scheme what is a pump On, and dump scheme basically you just tell your followers to buy a stock and you've already bought it and then so after they buy it all up it the stock price goes up oh. and then you sell it as so, you're telling them to buy it so yeah that's basically what it is gotcha. so you say to so you tell somebody to buy and then you are the person on the other end selling selling yeah. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, that makes sense. And yeah. so these guys were doing with penny stocks and they are low volume. So when you have a bunch of new buyers in the market, so these guys, if they have a hundred thousand followers and 50% of them, 50,000 of them like throw in whatever, even $10, they're going to boost that stock price. And those guys, the influencers or whatever can just sell out. And one of the guys, up. one of the guys, I think he, well, this, he doesn't anymore. Cause he's, he's uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if he's arrested or not, but I mean, he had like a trading company. Yeah. So his his Twitter following would have been following him to, 
you know, to buy and sell for his recommendations on Twitter. Isn't that, then that's just so wild. <laughs> it just yeah. sounds so awful. And the, and so the other thing that the SEC is going after is like the retail brokers. Like so, basically, Robinhood. You know, if you think about how they make money, is payment for order flow. They send orders to Citadel Securities or wherever, and then Citadel, Citadel Securities sells the stock or brokers the stock. Right? Yeah. Yep. And so the SEC said, uh, no more. You're going to route those to the New York Stock Exchange or Which NASDAQ is crazy. or whatever. And yeah, these guys are not happy. The SEC is like, this is going to create a you know more fair playing level for retail investors, and it'll be a great thing for individuals with these options. It'll dent a little bit of uh, Robinhood and Schwab's uh, earnings, a little bit less on Schwab's yeah, side. Yeah, well, a, a lot less. A lot Schwab. less, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's where Robinhood makes most of its money. So it's yeah, it's very interesting. The SEC is just kind of cracking down this week. So I want to talk for a second about why, to our listeners, why we're talking about this stuff. We talked about crypto. Now we're talking about Finfluencers. And like the reason why this stuff is important and the reason why, um, you know, I've honestly, like I've been okay talking about this on our podcast is it's, it comes down to one word and it's just trust. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of trust this year has been broken in the financial system. You know, when you see crypto, you see all of these huge crypto companies go under. There's 70 million Americans own crypto. And obviously that's, it's not that big in the scheme of, you know, asset size, the market cap of crypto. But, um, you know, there's just been a lot of people's trust has been misbroken. Um, there's also been a lot of greed, you know, in these schemes. Like, why would you be buying penny stocks? Why would you be buying crypto? Everyone's trying to get rich fast. Like, that is 100%. Uh, when you think about the the ending of 2021 and, like, what everyone was thinking about, all these SPAC deals, um, people in our country were trying to get rich fast. And for, I mean, it was working as well. Um but this year, there just seems to be all of this just crap that's... It, the bubble's already popped. This stuff is just cleaning up the bad actors. And so I think it's good that we're talking about this. And why we're talking about this is for people out there to know, you know, you have to know what you're buying. You have to know who you're working with. Uh, don't be an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> and don't try and earn $100 million next year. Yeah. And this is how things get regulated. Like, I guarantee you that the central government was like, yeah, we can't really do anything about crypto because nothing bad has happened yet. Now they're going to be all over this being able to regulate it because they can say, look at how bad this was. Now it's going to be like unanimous. Mm -hmm. They're going to do something about it. Yeah. So this is like the bubble is popped and this is just the cleanup. And it's so important that like that trust and stability is the foundation of our financial markets. So... So for people who have been been burned by the FTX deal, what encouragement would you like have for them? Um, just understand why you're investing. And it'll play what, along with our quote of the week too. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Take, like, why are you investing? Why, like, why would you buy that? You know, um, did that actually, did that, did that align with your values as an investor? You know, because a lot of people made a lot of money and then they ended up, losing it all or, or not losing it all but you know the average i think the majority of crypto addresses right now are negative right i think nine percent of crypto holders are positive mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's really small it's nine percent nine percent yeah. holy smokes yeah so we're talking like probably hundreds of millions of people around the world because you think when you think about it most balances. people most people got into it at like 
the middle of 2021. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty yeah, much fifty thousand. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've talked to a lot of people that that's when they bought into Bitcoin. I, I guess is what we're talking about. So that's what I would say um, is to learn the lessons. And and you really do like now that we're at the end of the year, learn like write these lessons down. Think about why you did what you did in the past year, what was good and what was bad, and and what you can do different next time because this stuff will totally show up again. We just yeah. don't know what it's going to look like, but these things just it. Um, at, at the the fundamental root of all of these things is human nature, you know, like for these people that built the crypto system, they just had a distrust for um, the system, we'll call it. And so they made these other systems that were centralized. They ended up being centralized, you know, that's basically what it is a bank. It's a bank. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's a bank in, in FTX. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't controlled by a board. I mean, it was controlled by a, a dude, dude. <laughs> that turned out to be an absolute, yeah. you know, idiot. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, the, right. be, the best lesson out of this is like if you're allocating more than it actually makes up like a of a whole entire world markets, you know, like crypto, two, like you said, $2 trillion, like and the world global market is like 100 trillion, whatever, like you should definitely not be allocating more than 2%. Like, mm-hmm. You should just be really, really low, like be skeptical. Yeah, be skeptical and stay diversified. Yeah. So right. important. All right. Um, This is interesting. All those pandemic loans that had come out, you know, in the in the pandemic, I guess I shouldn't even need to say that, but the pandemic loans are starting to have to be repaid and small businesses are having a hard time. There's one that I want to highlight in this article. Okay. There is I'm actually going to pull up the article uh, right now. It, it's, it's very interesting. I think she owns like a cookie shop or something like that. Yeah, a, a cookie shop. And she borrowed um, $1 million. It's and, a big shop. Yeah. And she just had her first monthly payment to $5,200 or something like that. Yep. And- she opened up a second second cookie shop, a new website, hired some new people, and supply chains and just the economy slowing down now. She hasn't grown enough to actually repay this, and this is the case for a lot of these um, small businesses that have took out these loans. So she's stuck with these $5,000 monthly payments that she's having a hard time paying because she hasn't realized the growth that she thought she would on these on this loan. So what comes to my mind here is return on invested capital. So when you look yeah. at big companies, one of the things that Jacob and I look at uh, when, we're ta- when we're looking at companies is, is what's called return on invested capital. And that is, a, is basically how good somebody is at, at investing in the investing, business. Yeah, basically investing in the business. And money was so free. You know, the SBA, uh, you know, they gave out, I mean, hundreds of billions of dollars. I think there's 380 billion in this particular article. There's probably yeah. more than that because they're the trillions in. Um, and chances are like, if you own a business, you are not good at capital allocation. Most businesses aren't right. <laughs> like if you yeah. think about it, the, the top five companies in the world are there because they were really good at it. But if it's like venture capital and it's like, all right, 99% of them fail. It's like, all right, there's a lot of them that aren't good. And a few of them that are really good. And a cookie shop. Yeah. Or if you own like a small boutique, like you're probably not good at allocating capital. And that's not necessarily a bad thing um, because it depends on like what you want to do. But, you know, with with this, the, like the owner of this milk jar cookies in Los Angeles, um, it's like she thought she could scale. And so she used, you know, seven figure loan to, cop, you know, to cover operating, you know, expand and whatnot. And turned out to be i mean from this this article it sounds like she's uh she's in a pickle yeah she's in a pickle yeah it doesn't mean that she's not gonna be able to pull through it but 
there's significant hardship. And these loans are long-term loans too. This yeah, is 30 a, year, yeah. I think is what it is. Yeah, so $5,000 a month for 30 years. Yeah. So, and she doesn't seem like she's too young. So, uh, you know, to, to just to, you know, let everyone know on, on uh, just, you know, capital allocation, just be really, really careful with debt. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and debt, debt is good, but debt is also very bad. It can go south really fast really fast. And this kind of flows right on into this. Retail sales are down mm-hmm. 0.6%. Um, the largest decline of 2022 in the holiday season. That's significant. You have a holiday season, retail sales are down. These are like, you go to Target and you buy stuff. This is down. Um, that goes for the cookie shop. People aren't going to the cookie shop anymore yep. and buying cookies. That hurts her with all these loans. And so it's just very interesting. It's something that has to happen. People have to stop spending for inflation to come down. And that's what this is telling us. We're in this transition where it's like, all right, the Fed has done its job. Now we have to see it actually enact in the real economy. That's where we're at. We're like transitioning between those two things. Totally. And this is what retail sales tells us. Totally. We are transitioning. And I guarantee you, anyone listening can just when they look at like how they're spending their money, how much they have spent year over year, people are, are um, like you can just see it in, in how you're spending. Yeah, it's wild. It's kind of weird, and it's we'll really actually strange. get into this a little bit more too, because that's uh, that's our our biggest loss of the week too is is on that topic. Yeah, so stay tuned. Stay tuned. So this article here on the big technology awards of 2022, we'll we'll link all this stuff in the show notes like yep. usual. Um, this this is a uh, a Substack actually, so yep. that's what we're reading here. Not like big tech is in. Apple, Amazon, Microsoft type of companies. This is just a guy that writes this article called The Big Technology. Yes. And so this article is the Big Technology Awards 2022 edition. So clearly the advance of the year, generative AI. That is so cool. There was this interesting article called ChatGPT is my co-founder. And it was basically just like, I built my business using (laughs) ChatGPT on like figuring out what a consumer would want type of deal. It yeah. was very interesting. And people like are in the venture capital space or I guess startup space are like, yeah, I use GP, chat GPT to figure out, you know, actual questions that yeah. my consumers would want. It's very interesting. Like Nick, Nick used uh, AI to, so, so at our other company, likely um, we've got a bunch of content we've written over, I mean, really over the last year and a half. And he rewrote, I don't know. I, I haven't seen the work yet, but he used AI to rewrite it um, in, I think it was third grade English. Like third oh, grade use, level. Uh, open AI? I don't know what, I don't know what platform he used. Had but to, it had to be, yeah. I think. It was really cool though. Yeah. He, I think he basically told the algorithm like, hey, here's what we have. Make this so a third grader could understand this. Yeah, not going to lie. I've used uh, open AI to uh, write a LinkedIn post before. <laughs> oh yeah. It's like, yeah. Well, I mean. I literally just ask it. I'm like, write me a post about dot, dot, dot. And then it writes post and you can just kind of copy and paste it and boom. <laughs> yeah. The so world, you guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. Person of the year. I don't agree with this, Jay Powell. I'm not sure why I don't he agree with this. He definitely got the most headlines. Let's let's agree on that. This Jay guy Powell was, or Elon Musk. But I don't ooh. think Elon Musk would earn the person. I don't think he would earn this. I think there'd be some backlash. Huge backlash. Yeah. Good for Jay Powell. You know, um, I, I know we talk about our central bank a lot um and the fed and and everything um we really truly do have a good uh a fed chair the the federal reserve uh, again i i would get i'm probably gonna get some hate for this but 
Um, I'm thankful that we do have a, a, a Fed that actually can and will move. Mm-hmm. And ever, pretty much the entire world follows our lead. And I think America has, um, you know, booms and busts, but we're going to, I believe we're going to skate through this faster than other countries for, for, for a lot of different reasons, but um, that I am grateful for. All right. And then Elon Musk didn't make it in here too. He, <laughs> he is in the worst deal of the year. So he bought Twitter for what, $44 billion? Yep. For five, uh, $54.20 a share. That's right. Yep. Four twenty. Um, <laughs> but he- Had uh, to throw that in there. And he actually just sold some more stock too of, of Tesla shares. So that's, that's just kind of interesting. He, like all the other social media companies had tanked whatever Meta was down, what, 60% at the time of acquisition. Now it's down 80% or something like that. Um, Elon Twitter probably should have been down there with that, but oh yeah, um, Elon propped up the uh the price there by with the acquisition. Like, oh yeah, I'm gonna buy this for fifty four dollars and twenty cents when he probably honestly at market could have got it at thirty dollars or something. Yeah. So what Elon Musk is doing is he's financing Twitter by using his Tesla stock. So this isn't quite equity financing, um, but it's using like this is how companies. Uh, you know, finance themselves. So the, yeah. the structure here is Elon is using uh, debt against his equities, uh, you know, his his basically concentrated positions in Tesla. Um, he's also selling Tesla, prob- I mean, probably uh, for margin reasons. I, I wonder if he's getting some margin calls uh, from where he holds his Tesla stock. Um, but no doubt, got to be the worst, one of the worst deals of the year. Yeah. And then we'll wrap up. We'll wrap up these technology awards. So the best podcast of the year is the compound and friends, our friends over at Ritz Holtz. Ritz Holtz. Yeah. We don't actually know them. Disclaimer. <laughs> but, uh, I was going to say, I was like, we don't know them, but well, and, we know them. They don't know us. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, but this is, uh, if you haven't listened to it, it's a great, great series, Josh Brown and Michael Batnick. Um, they basically have a similar podcast to this where they have a guest on and they talk about kind of hot button investing topics yeah and then the last one is the writer of the year matt levine he's bloomberg's um crypto and you know that sort of stuff he does commentary on crypto yeah if you've ever uh read anything on crypto on the major news uh, you probably have you've probably come across this stuff so um yeah lot, lots going on in the crypto world so um i want to end this off on the home builder so our titles is the recession indicator so housing is definitely slowing down. Yeah. So we are seeing, you know, basically, gosh, this has been since the summer where things are really just have really, really dropped a lot. So home builder sentiment is, is down for the 12th straight months. Um, we're going to link this article in the show notes, but um, the, there's a really interesting chart that says when housing starts to go down, that is like, you know, that is a very reliable recession indicator. Yeah. Like when housing prices start to go down. Right. Which makes sense just because yeah. there's less buyers, right? So, but the strength, um, there's some, uh, I think there's like $41 billion of equity value or equity in, in homes and only 11 billion. No, no, that's, there's no way that's right. It's not 11 billion. Where was this um, in my notes here? Going to scrap that. The, the amount of equity that Americans own in their homes should definitely insulate us from a downturn in housing. Right. And also that, uh, like most mortgages now are fixed rate mortgages, like Mm -hmm. the UK and all these other countries, they don't have that. They have a lot of adjustable rate mortgages. We here in the U S refinanced at 3% and it's all fixed. So you're sitting in your house at 3% or 
4% even, like you're like, I can't move because I don't want to pay 7%. Yes. Right. And uh, I think 42% of homes are paid off. Oh, wow. 42%. Some, yeah, and way I think, larger than I thought it would be. I think be. this was in, uh, I think Ben Carlson was was right about this in Wealth Common Sense. Mm. The, the uh, top demographics? Was it in that post? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it was, I, I don't know what post. It, it was one of the posts from last week. Um, so I think to, you know, if housing is saying anything, economically speaking, it probably, you know, if we use that indicator as truth, which obviously things change, things work until they don't, we probably are in one right now, but the health of the housing sector for those who own homes is in a good spot. Like for you guys who are wanting to purchase a home, um, this is just, you know, the longer this stuff goes on, just the better it is for you guys. Right. Yeah. Let those prices drop. I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. And in some of the, some of the areas around the country, like in the West coast, LA, Phoenix, Las Vegas, I mean, stuff was way too expensive. Yeah. Yep. And this go back to my point on like the policy risk and to growth risk. Like this is the result of policy, right? Like yeah. all the feds hikes, this is a result of that. So we're starting to see that now we're like, all right, is how bad is it going to be? Our house price is going to fall way farther than expected or kind of like where they're at or whatnot, you know, like that's the next leg here is like, how bad is it going to be? Totally. How bad is this recession? If there's a recession, you know, that's kind of the deal. I think the one thing that I'll say on this and then I'll, I'll shut up. Um, in like 2020, you got coming out of that, like everything was just great. Like you had a policy risk of like, all right, everybody go home. This is going to be really bad. Everybody's like, oh man, this is going to kill the markets. Everything is going to go to zero. Everybody gets let out and things are great. This is the exact same thing, just playing out differently, right? You had policy risk that sent everything down and growth risk that was better than expected that sent everything back up. Now you might not have the same scenario where everything gets sent back up, but you have policy risk going down and then growth risk who knows, maybe going down if things are worse than expected, staying flat if it's like, all right, this is pretty much what we expected, and then going up if it's like everything's getting better over and over and over again. So hopefully. Yes, yes, yes. Hopefully housing doesn't get bad because that's a good thing for us. It is, yeah, it is a good thing. It, I mean, it would be good, yeah, good for how we would think about good for people who are, you know, wanting to purchase a home. The, the slowdown, I think, is good. We had a decade's worth of home appreciation in like two years. Yeah, it's very weird. 27% home price growth is not something that should happen. Yeah. So 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 to put things in, and like I, I went on Zillow, I think it was over the weekend or last week, just checked on the valuation. They send emails out, mm. you know, your home, like check your home valuation. And it was down like 0.9%. Hey, I don't know. That's realistic. And I was like, be, well, in Fargo though. And I was like, sweet. I was like, okay. I was like, I like it was down. Like I lost 0.9% according to Zillow. I was like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm not moving. I, it, it's, it's, I, I just I, like, as somebody who owns a home, I just didn't really care. Yeah. And that's also going to tie into our, uh, into our, um, quarter of the week there. Interesting how everything is tying into this. Yes. All right. The best win of the week or the, uh, yeah, the win of the week. So anyway. this is interesting guys. So as I'm sure most of you listening know, we are very active on LinkedIn and we post, um, uh, we've got to have seven, seven, 21. We probably post 30 to 40 times a week as a company. Yeah. So when you do that, when you times that by, uh, 52, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a fair amount of posts and we have yet to have a post go viral, but Dan went viral. Dan went viral last week and he got a hundred thousand impressions on the week on which, just one post. Well, not quite one post, but, uh, 
he got 94 probably okay, on the, on the one. one post and then got 6,000 on the rest. But it was just, it was incredible. We looked at it, we looked at this post and he didn't even know, like we were just kind of sitting, I think it was around lunch or whatever. We were like, Dan's got like 200 likes on this post right now. And we're all like, no way. There's no way this has to be like, cause he shared a post. Shared yeah. posts don't usually do good. And this post had 200 like impression or likes and then 90 some thousand impressions and like, you know, just a lot of comments. And I was like, wow, it happened. It finally happened. It was crazy. You never know when, when something in your life is going to go boom. Uh, th- there's so many interesting things about personal finance here that, um, I hope our listeners are, are connecting the dots. I will try and connect them for you is you just got to keep going. You just got to keep taking one step in front of the other. Uh, you've got to keep investing. You've got to keep getting smarter because you never know um, when your moment is to shine. And then in Dan's case, really random posts. Like if you were to look at all of our content that we produce, all the thought we go into educating, um, our, our, our clients in our community, that post hundred percent would have been like a repost. No, not happening. Yeah, exactly. Also, let's, but it did. Let's like take into account the time, the energy, all of that stuff that Dan has put into it. So he's obviously invested a lot into it. And so I don't know that it's actually random. And the post that he reshared, it's still ironic that it's a reshared post, but it's talking about the tie between major companies that do really well, like Microsoft, Apple, and how they have diversified streams of income. So they have multiple products bringing in multiple streams of income, and then they tied it to personal finance. Dan tied it to personal finance. And I was like, I'm not shocked that it went viral, but I still am because it did go viral in such a weird way. It's so strange. It got like 150 times more impressions than than what he normally does. Yeah. But he did, like, he, there was thought, like, Chris, to your point, there was definitely thought behind it. So we're chalking that one up as a win of the week is a uh, good yeah. friend Dan. So. And Dan didn't even know. He was like, are you serious? Yeah, he had <laughs> like a client meeting or something and he came out. We're like, dude, Dan, you did it. So anyways, all right. Who wants to take uh, the time machine here? This one can, we can go pretty quick on. Um, so this is this is kind of uh, something that you never want to hear. The share of Americans that are living pay to, paycheck to paycheck rises to sixty three percent. So wow, that is you know it's it's rising and it continues to rise, and that's really just inflation eating away at budgets, people spending down pandemic savings. Like this is all contributing to it. And then so this this is just kind of what you get. Um, as these things, like that's why the Fed wants to rein in price stability because without it, you have this and that's going to put a you know, dampening on the economy. Like that's what you saw in the seventies. What, what did this rise from? Like, do we have some stats on where it was to what it is now? Cause two thirds of Americans, that's a lot. Um, yeah. Um, my guess is, I guess I shouldn't guess here. Let me just, let me just pull up the article here real quick. I bet you. So it tells you there's 132 million or 130, uh, I think it's about 132 to 135 full-time employees working in our country. So this would imply that there's about a hundred million Americans that are living paycheck to paycheck. So when you add in kids and everything, um, there's a lot of, a lot of families around the country that are, that are tight. It rose from 60% to 63%. So okay. a three-point jump. Like, that's not insignificant, that's for sure. Yeah, when you're talking about, like, mil- I mean, that's like millions of people right. more are living paycheck to paycheck. Right. That'd be almost a million, right? 3% is almost mm-hmm. a million of, yeah. the, of the working population. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Wow. Wow. Guys, and I don't think we're Americans get- are cash-strapped, and their everyday spending continues to outpace their income. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Yeah. yeah. Ouch. Yeah. 
I know you kind of have your lifestyle and it gets set. And my wife and I, we've done this too. We're like, Hey, what can we cut out? And it's like, well, we can boulders. They're just, yeah, there's not that much that you can cut out. I mean, particularly we've got family, we've got mortgage and we don't have any car payments. We don't have any debt other than our mortgage, but, um, there's still like, it's hard to, so at some point it just gets hard to like not spend what you're spending because when, if you think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, like the, what it means, like food and housing and shelter are like at the bottom, the base of what makes you a human and that, and, and safe and, 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 um, like it's just hard to cut back, like your heating bill. Let's people turn are, off the heat and freeze. Yeah. It's like, yeah. people aren't going to yeah. do that. So, uh, interesting times. I, I feel for these people. And, the, and it, it will turn, it'll, it'll turn, you know, like as, as we kind of move out of this, you'll start to see that number come back down. It will. Ideally. That's, that's probably what will happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, as we're right in this exact situation that we find ourselves in, this is the reality. Yeah. That's sad. All right. Carissa, grill us. Well, you guys kind of talked about the fed and why it matters for people's lives. I think that we'll continue to cover that, but I think we should move into the quote of the week. Okay. So our good man, Warren, we were really trying to find somebody else other than Warren, but I think <laughs> this is timely. So Warren said, if you aren't willing to own a stock for 10 years, don't even think about owning it for 10 minutes. Savage. And this goes right back He's to the penny stocks, right? Like if you, if you're, if you're only following the advice of some guy on Twitter telling you to buy this penny stock, like don't even think about that. Cause you're not going to want to own a penny stock for 10 years. Right. Yeah, it like all it all kind of ties together. It's like think long term. Just keep nailing that into your head. Just think long term. I don't want to buy Dogecoin because I want to think long term type of stuff, you know? Yeah. Do you want to own Dogecoin for five years? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, if that's such timeline. Warren Buffett, what a guy. Literally. You just gotta give it to him. He's like, got what a guy. so many quotes. He's got so many quotes. Yeah. The dudes I was thinking about, I think I was thinking about Warren Buffett last uh yesterday. And I was like, man. He has worked, so, he's like in his 90s and he's still, he's just still working. Yeah. And he's not going to stop. I guarantee you that yeah. he'll probably die at Berkshire Hathaway. A normal person would, would have had probably like a 25 or 30 year retirement at, at, at this point. Oh, yeah. 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 But he just loves it. Him and Charlie both. They just love it. They live for that stuff. They literally live for it. But they're probably the best delegators in the world too because I guarantee you that Warren Buffett is not like overseeing day-to-day. He's like sitting in his office like- Reading, eh, thinking. I should maybe buy more Apple stock today, you know? Like maybe this isn't, maybe I'll uh, check the uh, whatever. And probably not even that. He probably has some guy that comes in and says, hey Warren, I think that this would probably be a good buy. We should add to our position of Apple or something. Like he probably just kind of sits there and waits for people to tell him stuff. He, yeah, he's got, um, he hired two portfolio managers somewhat recently. Um, I think the heir apparent is known at this point. And yeah, all the tech stocks that have been amassed at Berkshire, because, you know, it, it makes news that that has come from uh, the portfolio managers that he, that he hired. And I believe um, one of them, uh, one of them was, uh, one of, I believe one of them was a guy that, that did the charity lunch. Hmm. What charity lunch? So Warren Buffett always, uh, every year he, mm. he auctions off a lunch with him. And I think this guy won at one point and, uh, yeah. And, and now well, he's, he's like, he's, he's, he's manages capital at Berkshire. That's interesting. Isn't that wild? It's a great story though. Yeah. Whenever you cool. guys mention his company, I always think about the website. 
like it's one of the biggest oh, companies yes. and its yeah. website is terrible. <laughs> Go to whatever BerkshireHathaway.com. Yeah, it's literally straight out of like the 90s. early, early internet. It is real, like real early 2000s. Real it's literally just a white page with purple text. I guess, I guess it's purple hyperlinks for me, but it's, it'd be blue hyperlinks. It's just hyperlinks. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. All right, guys, what's the takeaways from the week? I've already said mine probably three times. Uh, it's just literally, I, I'm like thinking a lot about the policy to growth risk shift. Yep. That's good. Mine is, I've had some just awesome time with my kids. I had a, I had probably three hours uh, with my son last night, just me and him at the house. Mom was gone and Lucy was at grandma's house. I just got to spend some time with my little boy and it was so good for my soul. So I was, I was real happy. Um, I've had some really awesome family time. So that's my key takeaway, just how, how amazing life can be. That's good. Okay, so in my mind, I was like, okay, a game is never won or lost until it's finished. So shout out to the Vikings for coming back from the Colts. Literally the largest comeback in NFL history, 33 points. They came back with 33 points. So it ended like 39 to 36. Mm -hmm. You want to know something crazy? I had had to take a picture, a screenshot of this. The Wall Street Journal sent a breaking news to my phone that was like, how the Minnesota Vikings like got the biggest comeback in NFL history or whatever. I'm like, the Wall Street Journal is reporting on this. It has to be newsworthy. Like, come on now. That's exactly what I thought. So I, uh, chain of events, my dad came over, said that the Vikings game was the most, the, the one of the most, if no, he said the most epic comeback in NFL history. I was like, yeah. And I was like, dad, you're just, you're just blowing smoke, whatever. Sure enough, I used He's oh, you said he was lying. Yeah, well, I did. I was like, no, there's no way. Like, there's no way that that game was the best or like the number one comeback in NFL history. Sure enough. Also, our man Messi came back, Argentina and France. I really thought France was going to win. Ooh, I didn't mm-hmm. watch the game. Well, yeah. Argentina won. Yeah, Long story I, I short. did see that. Not Anyways. Really soccer guy. So what was the best part of your guys' last week? Well, I kind of already alluded to Bodie, but I'm going to say something that's or my kids i'm gonna say something i got a french a homemade french fry potato cutter (laughs) that's legit that's where i'm at in life right now is like i don't really need shoes i don't really need like normal gifts but i was like i want a machine that can take a potato and can make french fries quarter inch french fries so that's what I got for Christmas, Jake. These guys Aww. are losing it. I can't even because you guys if were calling not- me. You guys were calling me a dork for my bread maker, and Tom's over here. I needed this in my life. I needed to have something that could turn a potato into, into French fries. Whatever. At my house. Eight strips of potatoes. So I tried it last night. Let's just say it was pretty good, guys. Put a little lottery season seasoning on that. So that's I'm done saying that. That was that was amazing, <laughs> Jacob. All right, so we had our Christmas party last week and pulled through together this slideshow that was just you know, 10 out of 10. It was very good. It was hilarious. <laughs> it was super fun. It was it the was, highlights of Fiel it was from just, the past yeah, year. It was amazing. We and can't so, share too much because there are some things I needed that, that are only... Yeah, it's, only it's a lot of saying. inside jokes, so there's there's really no sharing because none of, nobody will understand them. So it she was did hilarious. a great job. Shut up, Ola. My sister came home for Christmas. That was my highlight. So much fun. She's somebody who challenges me more than anybody else can. Like she has a really strong personality, but she's really fun. And I think a lot of people just don't understand me because I'm just so, I don't know. I guess I'm different from most people. 
That's what people tell me. It's all good. Well, Everybody's anyways. different from most people, right? Ooh, yeah. Jacob, that was deep. That was good. Anyway, so Alicia <laughs> just has a way of being so gentle and so like straightforward and fun all at the same time. I love that she's home. Love it. Love it. Well, you guys are awesome. Merry Christmas out there. And Merry Christmas, early Christmas. I mean, we've got a whole week of work in front of us, but um, to our listeners out there, hope you have a wonderful time with your friends and family. Um, hope you get to spend some quality time. Uh, just remember, you know, we've had a pretty awful, you know, 2022 uh, from a performance perspective. The world has changed. Um, but what hasn't changed is just how amazing your family and your life can be. So take a moment, uh, take it in, um, enjoy Christmas, and we will see you guys on the Lamin and Money podcast. <laughs>